In 2002, the state of Florida executed the 10th woman to ever receive the death penalty in the United States since the 1976 reinstatement of capital punishment. That woman's name was Eileen Wuornos, a former sex worker who had killed seven men she picked up while working the highways of Florida in 1989 and 1990. Her life later became the subject of screenplays, stage productions and multiple documentaries as well as the basis for the 2003 movie Monster. These takes on the story of Eileen Wuornos revealed a woman who had proved capable of murder again and again while also revealing just how tragic her own life was. This is the case of Eileen Wuornos. Hello, my fellow weirdos, and welcome to episode 26 of Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre. I hope everyone is doing amazing on this Friday. So before we get started, big news, big news. This little podcast of mine has got over 3,000 downloads now, which is just fucking insane. I, I never thought that I would hit that, especially in less than a year. So to everyone who's listened to the show, to everyone who's supported the show, whether that's through merch, whether that's through reviews, ratings, you know, telling your friends, your family about it. Thank you. Genuinely, thank you. I I just wanted to get a bit emotional and a bit, a bit soppy. It's, It's a big milestone. So I just wanted to thank you. So episode 26. It's gonna be a doozy. Because while Eileen Wuornos may not have the highest of body counts, she is one of the most notorious female serial killers in history. And before we get into the case, just a trigger warning that there will be things in this episode that will be upsetting. Rape, sexual assault, physical assault. There's going to be some some things in this episode that aren't going to be particularly pleasant to listen to. But Without further ado, let's dive in to the case of Eileen Wuornos. So Eileen Wuornos was born Eileen Carol Pittman in Rochester, Michigan on February 29th, 1956. Her mother, Diane Wuornos, was 14 years old when she married Eileen's father, 18-year-old Leo Dale Pittman on June the 3rd, 1954. On March the 14th, 1955, Diana would give birth to Eileen's older brother, Keith. And after less than two years of marriage and two months before Eileen was born, Diana, uh, sorry, Diane uh, would file for divorce and give birth to Eileen at the age of 16. Warnos would never meet her father because he was in prison when she was born. Uh, Leo Pittman, was a convicted child molester and sociopath who raped a seven-year-old girl. In 1969, he would commit suicide by hanging himself in his prison cell. 
Diane would find the responsibilities of single motherhood unbearable and in 1960 she abandoned Eileen and her brother Keith who were then adopted by their maternal grandparents Laurie and Britta Wuornos who perhaps not particularly ideal were both alcoholics. Uh, The Wuornoses would raise Eileen and Keith with their own children in Troy, Michigan. They did not reveal who, who they did not reveal that they were in fact the children's grandparents. Eileen would discover the truth at around around age twelve, information which did not help a situa- situation which was already pretty volatile. Laurie Warnos was a heavy drinker who was severe with his children. When they found their true parentage they would rebel and become incorrigible. Warnos would begin to engage in sexual acts in exchange for cigarettes, cocaine and food when she was 11 years old. She would also have a have sexual relations with her younger brother, yikes. Warnos said that when she was a child, her drunken grandfather would rape her and beat her she would state that he would also force her to remove her clothes before he would start thrashing her. Double yikes. After being raped by a friend of her grandfather when she was 14, Eileen would become pregnant and was taken to an unwed mother's home for the length of her pregnancy. According to the staff, she was aggressive, difficult and unable to get along with her peers. In January 1971, she would give birth to a baby boy who was adopted. About the same time, her grandmother would die of liver failure. Warnos's grandfather would kick her out of the family when she was 15 and she began prostitution and living in the woods near her former house to support herself. Diane Warnos would give Eileen and Keith the opportunity to live with her in Texas but they declined because she wanted to set rules and maintain order in her home. Holy fuck, if there was ever a perfect situation for a a serial killer to sort of be conditioned, that was the ideal situation, the ideal environment. So Warnos was arrested in Jefferson County, Colorado on May the 27th, 1974, at the age of 18 for driving under the influence, uh, disorderly conduct and shooting a 22 caliber pistol from a moving car. If she was like, I'm not just going to get arrested for the DUI. I'm also going to like go ham and I'm just going to throw some disorderly conduct. I'm just going to shoot a pistol from a moving car. You know, I'm going to do this properly. I'm not going to, I'm not going to half-ass this. Uh, later, she was charged with failing to appear. Um, Warnos would hitchhike to Florida in 1976 and would meet Lewis Fell, a 69-year-old yacht club president. Warnos would soon move in with him and the two would marry pretty quickly. Warnos would quickly find her, find him, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> let's, let's try again. <laughs> I'm not even going to take that out. I'm going to keep it in. Warnos would quickly find herself in hot water with the authorities in the area. So I just want to throw this out here. Eileen was 20 when she married Lewis Felt, who I just want to say again, was 69. Eileen was 20. Yeah. 
The marriage did not last long after Warnos was arrested for hurling a cue ball at a bartender's head back home in Michigan. Fell got a restraining order and an annulment after nine weeks of holy matrimony. It was claimed that she also abused Fell, who would subsequently claim that she would beat him with his own cane after he refused to give her more money, money after claiming she had squandered his. Her brother Keith would die of cancer on July the 17th, 1976. Keith's life insurance would pay off handsomely for Eileen and she would receive $10,000, which she spent in less than two months. That is, that's something that I would do. That like 10 grand, I could probably burn that in two months. Probably less than that, actually. I could probably get through that in a month. (laughs) This is terrible. She paid a fine for drunk driving with the money she got from her brother and spent the rest on luxuries like a new car, which she promptly crashed while driving inebriated. So she crashed her new car while drunk driving after after having having paid a fine for drunk driving. <laughs> Great stuff, Eileen. <laughs> the uh, she attempted suicide by shooting herself in the stomach in 1978 when she was 22 years old. She attempted suicide six times between the ages of 14 and 22. Wernos went to Florida after the money ran out and began being arrested for theft once again. Wernos was arrested in Edgewater, Florida on May the 20th, 1981 for armed robbery of a convenience store in which she would steal $35 and two packs of cigarettes. On May the 4th, 1982, she was condemned to prison and freed on June the 30th, 1983. Buenos was arrested once again on May the 1st, 1984 for attempting to pass fraudulent checks at a bank in Key West. She was cited as a suspect in the theft of a pistol and ammo in Pasco County on November the 30th, 1985. Buenos was arrested again. (laughs) I sense the theme. Buenos was yet again arrested in Miami on January the 4th, 1986, and was charged with car theft, resisting arrest, and obstruction of justice after producing identification with her aunt's name on it. A 38 caliber pistol and a box of ammunition were also discovered in the stolen car by Miami police officers. Buenos was detained for questioning by Volusia County Deputy Sheriffs after her male companion accused her of brandishing a revolver in his car and demanding $200. Buenos was discovered with extra ammunition in her possession as well as a 22 caliber handgun under the passenger seat of which she had occupied. All of that just reminds me of that song, I Fought the Law and the Law Won. <laughs> and I think that's all that reminds me of. Just Eileen's just fighting the law and every time the law's just like, Eileen, come on, we've, we, we've, we've done this before. <laughs> How many times, Eileen? In 1986, 30-year-old Eileen Wuornos would meet 24-year-old uh, Tyria Moore a hotel maid at a Daytona Beach gay bar called Zodiac. For a while, it was great. 
Taria loved her and didn't leave her. She even quit her job as a motel maid for a while and allowed Eileen to support her with her prostitution earnings. Their relationship would cool, however, and the money would start to run short. Still, Ty would stay with Eileen, following her from cheap motel to cheap motel, with stints in old barns or in the woods in between. Warnos and Moore were arrested at a pub in Daytona Beach on July the 4th, 1987, for interrogation in connection with an incident in which they were suspected of assault and battery with a beer bottle. Holy fuck. Buenos accused a Daytona Beach bus driver of assault on March the 12th, 1988. She claimed that he shoved her off the bus after an altercation, and Moore was mentioned in this incident as a witness. So I think it's fair to say a pretty turbulent life so far for Eileen Buenos. Before we continue on this uh, wild case, let's hear from Jackie, the host of the podcast Cause of Death. Did you know that the AIDS pandemic almost wiped out an entire generation of a culture? Did you know that politics drive the way we handle pandemics? Did you know that more people died of smallpox than war-related injuries in the Revolutionary and Civil Wars? Do you have questions about the opioid crisis? How socioeconomics fuel healthcare? Wonder why the cost of drugs is so high? I'm Jackie Moranti, and I host a podcast called Cause of Death. This show explores all of these questions and many more. If you haven't listened to my podcast, you should. Cause of Death can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Our history is here to teach us lessons, but as you'll find out, we rarely learn our lessons. And we are back. So let's talk murder. Yeah, oh yes, let's let's talk some murder. Let's let's talk some some killings. <laughs> so Buenos would tell conflicting stories about her murders. Sometimes she claimed to have been the victim of rape or an attempted rape with every single one of the men that she had killed. At other times, she would admit she was trying to rob them, depending on who she was talking to, her story would always change. Richard Mallory, uh, who was her first victim, as it turns out, was a convicted rapist. Mallory, who Warnos met in November 1989, was the owner of an electronics store in Clearwater. Mallory allegedly battered, raped and sodomized Warnos after he drove her to an abandoned spot for sexual desires, according to Eileen. Warnos would claim that she killed him in self-defense. A Volusia County deputy sheriff discovered Mallory's abandoned vehicle two days after the murder. His body was discovered several miles away in a wooded location on December the 13th. He had been shot numerous times with two gunshots to the left lung being the cause of death. In May 1990, Eileen Warnos would kill 43-year-old David Spears by shooting him six times and stripping his corpse naked. On June 1st, 1990, his naked body was found along US Route 19 
in Florida in Citrus County. Police would discover the remains of Charles Cascaden, aged 40, who had been shot nine times and thrown on the side of the road five days after Spears' body was discovered. When the body of uh, Cascaden was discovered, it had been wrapped in an electric blanket and was badly deteriorating. Witnesses spotted Wuornos with uh, Cascaden's car and Eileen had also pawned a gun that had been identified as Charles's. On June the 30th, 1990, uh, Peter Seams would go missing while driving from Florida to Arkansas. Witnesses would later claim to have spotted two women driving his vehicle who had, who matched the descriptions of Moore, uh, Moore and Warnos. The palm print of Warnos was also discovered on the car's internal door handle. However, the remains of Peter were never discovered. On the morning of July the 30th, uh, Troy Burris set out on his uh, Gilchrist sausage delivery route. When Burris didn't show up at his last few delivery sites that afternoon, uh, Gilchrist manager Johnny Mae Thompson started calling around. The wife of Burris would report him missing at 2am. Marion County Sheriff's deputies would discover his truck on the shoulder of State Road 19, 20 miles east of uh, Akala at 4am. It was unlocked and the keys were nowhere to be found, as was Burris. Five days later, he was discovered. Unfortunately, his body was discovered, not him. <laughs> a family who was picnicking in the uh, Akala National Forest would discover his dead body in a clearing just off Highway 19, about eight miles from where his truck was discovered. That would uh, that would put a damper on the picnic, I imagine. Yeesh. Um, the heat and the humidity in Florida expedited uh, the, the decomposition of the body, making identification difficult at the site, but his wife was able to identify his wedding ring. He was shot twice, once in the chest and once in the back, with a 22 caliber gun. Charles Humphreys would never return home after his last day of work at the Florida Department of Health and Rehabilitative Services Summer Sumterville office. He was going to transfer to the department's Ocala office as a protective investigator, focusing on abused and damaged children. He was 56 years old and had previously served as the head of police in Alabama. On September the 10th, 1990, he would celebrate his 35th wedding anniversary. And on September the 11th, he would vanish. His body was discovered in Marion County on the evening of September the 12th. He had been shot seven times. Six 22 caliber slugs were found in his body and the seventh had pierced through his wrist and was never found. In late September, his automobile was discovered in uh, Suwannee County. Walter Antonio's naked body was discovered on a logging road in Dixie County about a month later. Antonio, who was 60 years old, was a truck driver and also a security guard on occasion and a reserve police officer. He had been shot four times with a 22 caliber gun. 
He had been dead for less than 24 hours when he was discovered on November the 19th. His car was discovered five days later in Brevard County uh, across the state. Captain Steve uh, Binniger of the Marion County Sheriff's Criminal Investigation Division, that was a bloody mouthful, wow, was aware of the offences in Citrus and Pasco County. He couldn't ignore the parallels and was working on a theory with a multi-agency task team that included representatives from the four counties where the deaths were discovered. He reasoned that since no one stopped to pick up, hip- pick up hitchhikers, the perpetrators of these crimes had to be non-threatening to the victims at first. He suspected women, specifically the two women who had walked away after crashing Peter Seam's car. He would sought assistance from the media. Uh, Reuters reported on the killings in late November, claiming that authorities were on the lookout for the two ladies. The story was taken up by newspapers all around Florida, along with police sketches of the woman in question. Warnos was arrested on an outstanding warrant at the Last Resort Motorcycle Bar in uh, Volusia County on January the 9th, 1991. And the next day, Moore was found in Scranton, Pennsylvania by police. It didn't take long for Moore to flip on Warnos. In the days immediately following her arrest, Moore was back in Florida staying at a motel the police had rented uh, for her. It was there, in exchange for immunity from prosecution, that she would make calls to Warnos in an attempt to elicit a confession that could be used against Eileen. Ooh, lovers know more. Moore wanted absolutely no part of going down with Eileen Warnos. No part. In these calls, Moore would act up a storm, pretending to be frightened that the police would pin all of the blame for the murders on her. She'd beg Eileen to go over the story with her again and again, step by step, in order to get their stories straight. And it was three days later that Eileen Warnos would confess to the murders on January the 16th, 1991. She stated that the men had attempted to rape her and that she had killed them in self-defence. Warnos was legally adopted in November 1991 by Arlene uh, Prale, aged 44, after she spotted her portrait in the newspaper. Warnos would go on trial for the murder of Richard Charles Mallory on, on January the 14th, 1992. Although earlier convictions are normally inadmissible in criminal prosecutions, the prosecution was allowed to use evidence from other offences to prove a pattern of illegal behaviour under Florida's Williams rule. Warnos was found guilty of Mallory's murder on January the 27th, 1992, thanks to Moore's testimony. Psychiatrists for the defence testified at Warnos's sentencing that she was mentally ill and disguised and uh, diagnosed her with borderline and antisocial personality disorder. However, that didn't wash, and she was sentenced to death four days later. During the trial, Warnos's defence also attempted to bring information that Mallory had previously been convicted of attempted rape in Maryland and had served a sentence in a maximum security prison for sexual offenders. Records obtained from the correctional institution showed that from 1958 to 1962, 
Mallory was committed for treatment and observation resulting from a criminal charge of assault with intent to rape and received an overall eight years of treatment at the facility. In 1961, it was observed of Mr. Mallory that he possessed strong sociopathic trends. However, the judge would refuse to allow the records to be admitted in court as evidence and denied Wallace's request for a retrial. On March the 31st, 1992, she would plead plead no contest to three more murders, those of Charles Humphreys, uh, Eugene, uh, sorry, Troy Bress and David Spears, for which the sentences were also death. In her statement to the court, Eileen would say, in part, I wanted to confess to you that Richard Mallory did violently rape me, as I told you, but these others did not. They only began to start to. Warnos would plead guilty to the murder of Charles uh, Coscadden on June 1992. She was sentenced to death for the fifth time in November 1992. Warnos would plead guilty to the murder of uh, Walter Antonio in February 1993 and again, guess what, was sentenced to death. Because Peter Seam's body was never located, she was never charged with his murder, which would mean, which meant that uh, Warnos in total was sentenced to death six times. Six death sentences. Yeesh, that's rough shit, man. That is, that is rough. Warnos provided various uh, contradictory accounts of the murders. She initially claimed that all seven men raped her when she was working as a prostitute, but she later recanted her claim of self-defence, blaming robbery and a desire to kill without leaving any witnesses as reasons for the murders. When Warnos assumed cameras were turned off during an interview with filmmaker Nick Broomfield, she informed him that it was in fact self-defence, but that she couldn't take being alive, or she that she couldn't take being on death row, where she had been for 10 years at the time, and that she wanted to die. Assessed using the psycho psychopathy checklist, Warnos would score 32 out of 40, with the cutoff score uh, of 30 for determining uh, psycho psychopathy. The checklist evaluates individuals on a 20-item list of antisocial and interpersonal behaviours with each item being scored as 0, 1 or 2, with a maximum score of 40. Warnos was incarcerated at the Florida Department of Corrections uh, at Browood's Correctional Institution before being moved to the Florida State Prison for execution. In 1996, her petition to the United States Supreme Court was dismissed. She indicated her decision to then fire her legal counsel and cease all remaining appeals in a petition to the Florida Supreme Court in 2001. Warnos would state that I killed those men, robbed them as cold as ice, and I'd do it again too. There's no chance in keeping me alive or anything because I'd kill again. I have hate crawling through my system. I am so sick of hearing this she's crazy stuff. I've been evaluated so many times. I'm competent, sane, and I'm trying to tell the truth. I'm one who seriously hates human life and would kill again. Warnos asserted that she knew what she was doing and a court-appointed team of psychiatrists concurred, 
despite her attorney's claims that she was not mentally competent to make such a request. Warnos would start accusing jail matrons of contaminating her food with dirt, spit and urine in 2002. She said that she had overheard conversations among prison personnel trying to get me so pushed over the brink by them I'd wind up committing suicide before the execution and wishing to rape me before execution. She would also complain of strip searches, tight handcuffing, door kicking, frequent window checks, low water pressure, mildew on her mattress and catcalling in distaste and a pure hatred towards me. Warnos threatened to boycott showers and food trays when certain officers were on duty, stating, in the meantime, my stomach's growling away and I'm taking showers through the sink of my cell. Her attorney would state that Miss Warnos really just wants to have proper treatment, humane treatment, until the day she's executed. He added, she believes what she's written. In the weeks before her execution, Warnos would give a series of interviews to Broomfield and talked about being taken away to meet God and Jesus and the angels and whatever is beyond the beyond. In her final interview, she once again charged that her mind was tortured at BCI and her head crushed by sonic pressure. Food poisonings and other abuses worsened, she said, each time she complained, with the goal of making her appear insane or to drive her insane. She also turned on the interviewer, stating, You sabotaged my ass, society and the cops and the system. A raped woman got executed and was used for books and movies and shit. Her final on-camera words were, Thanks a lot, society, for railroading my ass." On October 9th, 1992, Eileen Warnos would get her wish and she was put to death by lethal injection at 9.47pm that day. She would decline her, ma- her last meal, which could have been anything under $20, and opted for a cup of coffee instead. Her last words were, yes, I would just like to say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back, like Independence Day, with Jesus. June the 6th, like the movie, big mothership and all, I'll be back. I'll be back. She was the second woman in Florida and the 10th in the United States to be executed since the 1976 United States Supreme Court decision to restore capital punishment. Warnos's crimes, according to some experts, are linked to her psychopathic nature and traumatised past. Warnos was found to have a psychopathic personality using the psychopathy checklist with a PCLR score of 32, which is higher than the US cutoff score of 30 for psychopathy. Warnos was also suspected of meeting the diagnostic criteria for both borderline and antisocial personality disorders. Much of Warnos' childhood sexual abuse and career in sex work are also said to have had irreversibly damaged her. It could be seen that the traumatic experiences throughout most of her young life, including her biological mother's departure and her grandmother, ignoring the abuse she suffered from her grandfather, could have also played a role in Warnos' psychological state leading to the lack of development of a mother-daughter bond for Warnos as a young girl. The damage was then made worse because both Warnos and her brother believed that their grandparents were their biological parents, but at the age of 11 they learned that this was not the case, which further damaged the relationship between Warnos and her adoptive parents. 
Wuornos was also known to have early behavioural issues, such as explosive temper, which hampered her capacity to establish friends and made maintaining connections increasingly difficult. Her traumatic childhood, which included physical and sexual abuse, has also been connected to the emergence of her borderline personality disorder. Such severe trauma can also disrupt the structurization of the mind at various developmental points and result in primitive, dissociative and splitting defences to ward off the intensity of emotional and sexual stimulation that cannot be integrated as a child. And that brings us to the end of episode 26. Yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty insane. That was that was pretty insane. Uh, Eileen Warnos, what a what a case, what an interesting case. Um, yeah, <laughs> bit of a bit of a mind blower that one. So, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you for checking out the show. I hope you enjoyed, and I hope you stick around for future episodes. I mean, now that you're here, you you you've kind of got to stay. I, I don't make the rules. I, I just have to follow them. You can find uh, Horror House, True Crime and the Macabre on all podcast directories and on the Gram and the Bird app at horrorhouse underscore pod. If you enjoy the show or you're listening for the first time and you liked what went into your ear holes, you can support the show by leaving a rating on Spotify and a review on Apple Podcasts or the website, which is in the show notes. It may not seem like a big thing, but trust me, as an independent podcaster, rate, le- people leaving ratings and people leaving reviews, it does wonders for the show. Honestly, it's just such a good way to support it and it takes two minutes to do. So pop a rating, leave a review. Also, you can support the show by telling your friends about it, telling your family about it, telling your pets about it, telling the people that you're hiding in your basement about it. Tell everybody. Just everyone, spread the word, the postman, whoever, just just tell everyone. Um, And also, as you know, you can support the show by getting merch. The feedback on the merch has been super, super, super amazing. I'm super stoked that everyone has been loving their merch. So, you know, why not represent the podcast and support the podcast and also treat yourself to some bomb ass merch, right? It's a win-win for everybody. So... All that's left to say, my strange, morbid friend, is until next time, stay spooky.